The countdown has begun. From May 14th to 16th, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Qatar Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections, gain unique insights and uncover valuable opportunities in one of the world's most rapidly rising regions. Request your invite for this exclusive event at QatarEconomicForum.com. I'm Stacey Marie Ishmael, Managing Editor of Crypto for Bloomberg News. And this is Bloomberg Crypto, a daily Bloomberg iHeart podcast. It's Friday, June 10th. In January 2020, the United Kingdom officially withdrew from the European Union. The fallout from Brexit, as we all came to know it, is still being measured across all industries. Some analysts predict it will take years to fully understand the impact of Brexit on the UK economy. Brexit even affected the crypto market, especially as far as regulations are concerned. Bloomberg reporter Emily Nicole sees cautious optimism among investors about the UK's approach to crypto regulation. She joins me now. Emily, thank you so much for joining us today. Tell our listeners a little bit more about the, frankly, fascinating landscape for crypto regulation in the UK. Like, what what is going on, on, as we like to say in the US, on the other side of the pond? I think it's one of the more complex regulatory landscapes that we've got going so far. That may just be my perspective because I cover it, so I know what's going on. Um, But it's one where we've had a lot of ups and downs and definitely a lot of different players in the mix. So at the moment, crypto is largely an unregulated space in the UK. Um, We have one main financial regulator here, the Financial Conduct Authority, and then there's obviously also the government as well that provides some some guidance there. The regulator has done its best, I guess they would say, to regulate the crypto space, trying to provide frameworks for crypto companies in terms of money laundering regulations um, and giving them kind of space to innovate while also providing a somewhat firm hand. But mostly that has amounted to just continually warning consumers that they could lose all their money if they invest anything in cryptocurrencies and not so much in terms of providing consumer protections or any recourse there for investors. So you would consider that more on the the framework of consumer advisory rather than consumer protection, you would say? Yes, for sure. There's there's definitely no real option for for consumers if they lose money in crypto at the moment. There's no insurance schemes. There's no official licensing for crypto companies. Um, so it, if, if you're an investor in the UK in crypto, it's as good as anywhere else, pretty much. Well, I do want to ask you about that because, you know, one of the things, especially after Brexit, that seemed to be, or I say seemed, that, that looked like it might be true was that the UK was trying to set itself up as a, a hub for crypto, right? That And based on, for example, its previous regulatory history of being a hub for fintech. Fintech, short for financial technology refers to the use of digital technology to replace and enhance traditional financial services. So are you saying that that is is or isn't happening from your perspective? I think from from the perspective of people I've talked to in the industry, the UK, as you said, it was known as a fintech powerhouse. It still is. It's definitely the part of the tech sector here that attracts the most investment every year. Um, But that hasn't necessarily extended itself over to crypto. Brexit is one part of that. A lot of people thought, you know, 
the idea of Brexit was that the UK would get regulatory freedom from the EU, it would be able to write its own rules. But actually, over the last few years, since we voted to leave in 2016, um, Brexit has meant that the Financial Conduct Authority and the government have had far too much on their plate to really even think about crypto. So mm-hmm. while fintech was in its earliest days, they were able to pay a lot of attention to it, consider the best way to help in- industry innovate and create new technologies while keeping everything kind of under wraps and supervised. Um, those early years for crypto passed by and there wasn't really much attention paid to it at all. So, you know, in the early days of fintech, and when we talk about that, we're talking about companies like PayPal or online banks or, you know, other folks that are putting the finance into technology, as it were. Whereas right now, what are the, some of the equivalent kinds of companies in crypto operating in the UK that perhaps were expecting to have more of a sort of a friendly or accommodative re- regime? So there are obviously a few companies that would style themselves as crypto banks. Um, There are some fintech companies in the UK that offer banking services and crypto trading on the side, like Revolut. Um, And actually offering the crypto services has not been much of a a help to them when trying to get an official banking license, because it's something that the regulators here still aren't comfortable saying, yes, okay, that's a part of your business that we'll accept or assess as fit and proper. Um, I think the area where crypto companies have, have mostly been over overseen by the regulator here is um in the world of exchanges but specifically limited to kind of asset management or brokerage so early companies in the space like eToro for example had a digital brokerage license which meant that they could offer you know stock trading and they kind of got in that way a bit like a robinhood kind of model and when they started offering crypto on the side it was considered separate but when they, when it came time to start seeking guidance from the FCA over anti money laundering rules or any of the other places that they've started to look at in crypto, they already had that relationship and that rapport established, which definitely helped them um, where other crypto companies got no help at all. Let's take a moment to listen to UK Secretary to the Treasury, John Glenn. He was recently talking to Bloomberg Technology about how the government in the UK is thinking about these regulations as it relates to crypto. Let's listen. Well, I think we've got to accept that this is going to be a great opportunity. Um, we've got to uh, regulate to innovate, though. So we've gripped it in the UK. I made a speech last Monday and I announced a number of interventions. We want to bring industry together with our regulator, with government, so we can work out the best steps to take this uh, interesting phenomena forward, because it has many applications, both for financial services and to the wider economy. And uh, so I'm excited about that. And I'm pleased that we're able to get that engagement with industry, both here and in London, in order to drive it forward. Well, you know, to your point, um, so much of regulation is really about relationships, who you know or who you can successfully lobby. And certainly various of these companies have been finding because they haven't been successful with their efforts or they're not getting the attention they think they deserve, they're looking to other financial centers. Dubai is a huge one for crypto. You know, they have uh, some very attractive propositions to potential crypto folks. Switzerland is always, always on folks' radar. What is it about these financial centers that are causing people to reconsider their commitment to the UK? One thing that the UK did do that others haven't on crypto regulation was explicitly ban retail investors from accessing crypto derivatives products. Now, if you look at somewhere like Europe, 
crypto derivatives have been a very big part of the ecosystem for quite a few years. They've been around since about 2015. And as we know now with the with the US fight for a Bitcoin ETF, it's definitely touted as the way that institutional investors will get access to crypto because they can use listed products that will track the price of something like Bitcoin without mm-hmm. actually having to hold it. When the UK decided to ban those products for retail investors, it also inadvertently created the environment where clearinghouses weren't that comfortable with listing them even for just professionals. Um, and it made life difficult for for companies like eToro, for example, who offered them already. And that's one area where Europe has been able to pull ahead. Switzerland is one of the biggest hubs for these exchange-traded products on crypto. It's got a lot of um, space there. It's also got an area like Zug, which is known as Crypto Valley. Um, and so when This year, when companies were struggling to get permissions from the FCA to um, remain operating in the UK, they had to meet certain anti-money laundering requirements, and more than 80% of crypto companies that applied struggled to do that. They basically faced the the decision of downing tools and stopping the business or moving the part of the business that would be considered under that regulated part of crypto um, abroad, and Switzerland was one of the key hubs alongside places like Croatia and Dubai, as you mentioned. Got it. Now, downing tools, throwing toys out of the pram, you know, various folks have had perspectives on if this was a, a commensurate response to moves by, by the FCA and Treasury and others. But, you know, you, you in the course of your reporting, you talk to a lot of the folks in the market. What specifically are they saying would, would the FCA or the Treasury have to be doing or have to be trying harder on to recreate that impression that the UK is an attractive place for these kinds of companies, particularly ones doing the more complicated products. So in the last few months, the Treasury announced that it wants to be a global crypto hub, which I think was definitely the the first start. A lot of crypto companies that I spoke to said, you know, even if we find other parts of crypto regulation in the UK incredibly difficult to deal with, you're only ever going to take a message like that from the Treasury as a positive. So that that was kind of the start. But since then, there have been a lot of moves to basically get the ball rolling on putting actual regulation in place for crypto. And one of those was a crypto sprint by the FCA, which is like a two-day event where lots of crypto executives, but also interested parties in the space like lawyers and accountants and consultants are all invited into a room with top staff from the FCA to talk about crypto and what it is that they need from the regulator and vice versa. Um, topics that they discussed there, according to some of the people who went, uh, are things like, you know, whether there is already kind of de facto crypto regulation in place that the exchanges are having to be the, the, the guardians of because they act as almost the gatekeepers to the industry and deciding which projects to list and therefore which tokens consumers get access to. They also were very concerned about custody and whether the FCA wants to regulate that. That's something that's already regulated in countries like Germany. Um, and they were all very concerned about stable coins as well, particularly in the context of terrorist collapse and whether regulators should demand more transparency over which assets or algorithms are backing slash supporting these coins. Well, Emily, thank you for giving us a lay of the land of that digital or hopefully digital landscape in the UK as it relates to crypto regulation. Any kind of closing takeaways for someone who is trying to learn more about what they should understand about crypto and the UK? I think 
regulation is, you know, while some people would say it's boring, I think it's the key thing to pay attention to here because the crypto investor market is largely stable. It grows in, in ebbs and flows like anywhere else. Um, but regulation is the place where the UK is really trying to, to stand out or be different. And it, over the next 12 months is when there will kind of be a calling card. We spoke to uh, the former Chancellor Philip Hammond back in January, who kind of said if the, if the UK doesn't get ahead in crypto or just even figure out what it's doing by the end of this year, there will be no coming back from that. Um, so definitely the next 12 months are very crucial. On that slightly foreboding note, Emily, <laughs> thank you very much for joining us today. Really appreciate having, having you me. here. You can find more of Emily Nicole's reporting on the Bloomberg Terminal, on Bloomberg.com, and on Twitter at Emily J. Nicole. That's N-I-C-O-L-L-E. We'll be right back for a look at what makes investors in the UK crypto market excited and maybe a little bit nervous. The countdown has begun. This May, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Qatar Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg, held in conjunction with our official partners, the Qatar Ministry of Commerce and Industry and Media City Qatar and premier sponsor QNB. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections and gain unique insights. Learn more at QatarEconomicForum.com. So what exactly are UK investors in the digital asset landscape encouraged by these days? And what are they wary of? A regulatory framework for cryptocurrencies is beginning to take shape. I think what we're seeing effectively the opportunity of of moving away from traditional kind of transition into how can we create legislation for what we want to do kind of going forward. That's Blair Halliday, the UK head of the cryptocurrency exchange Gemini. Blair joins us now. Blair, so good to have you. Thank you for joining us today. Absolutely delighted to be here. Thank you. So first, I'm going to ask, you are the UK head of Gemini, which is a crypto exchange. Can you say a little bit more about what it is that you and Gemini do exactly? Absolutely. So Gemini is a crypto exchange and custodian. We were founded in the US and we've been in the UK for about two years now. We're a um, one of the few firms that have an FCA crypto asset registration, and we're also authorized as an e-money institution. So effectively, we enable customers to buy, sell, and store crypto on our platform. And so you mentioned both retail and institutional, which means you have like lots of people who regulate you, I would imagine, given the, the variety of customer bases that you have. Can you say a little bit more about what you think the regulatory landscape in the UK is like, especially post Brexit, as it relates to crypto companies like the one you are at? The, you know, in terms of the uh, the opportunities kind of coming further down the line, the, the UK about uh, a month or so ago, through John Glenn, uh, announced uh, its intent to make the UK a global crypto hub. Uh, and on the back of that, the uh, the FCA announced their uh, FCA crypto sprint. And then Brexit obviously has occurred, and now there's a period of time that has effectively travelled, whereby the UK has has kind of you know, effectively moved further down its transition out of the EU into a situation where it can start to develop more of its yeah, its legislation and, and crypto being an obvious one for them to get into uh, early enough. So I think we're, we're at an incredibly exciting time for legislation in the UK, specifically in the, in the crypto space. So to your point about the landscape that you want to see 
What are some specific things that you might be hoping will come out of that sprint? Well, I think clarity. I think uh, clarity and nuance. Uh, uh, Are those things in contradiction? (laughs) Okay, so what what I mean by that is that I think there's a kind of a recognition that that the framework is there when it comes to regulation in in the UK. The FCA is a principles-based regulator, and those principles can certainly be adopted in a wide ranging different areas of financial services. So I think what we'll, you know, what we'd like to see is the opportunity that crypto has to expand and have some of those principles kind of adapted and uh, introduced into the, into kind of a more fulsome regulation requiring you know, or enabling crypto firms to seek regulatory approval within the UK. And that doesn't mean it needs to be easy. We understand that the AML process um, or the crypto asset registration process was challenging uh, and sets a high bar. And we support that and we, we you know, we welcome that. You know, Gemini is an interesting position because, as you mentioned, started in the U.S., is now operating in the U.K., has a lot of visibility into the European landscape. Is there anything about the fact that no two countries or areas seem to have the same approach to crypto that makes your life more complicated? What we've definitely kind of seen from the, you know, if you look from the U.K., the U.S. and the EU, there is definitely a, a desire for, you know, agile regulation. All of us who work in crypto understand how quickly it can change, and having uh, you know having legislation planned uh, without kind of uh, having the ability to adjust that uh, will be problematic in this environment because it is a quick moving environment. So uh, look, we're certainly excited by the the regulatory landscape uh, across the board. And just as a kind of a closing thought, what do you think is the the biggest current selling point? that UK regulators have? Like, nothing else changes. That You know, we're not talking about future regulations. Why are people there right now? Talent. Uh, the UK has ter- a terrific level of talent. Uh, it's a traditional hub for financial services. It's also uh, an, a, you know, an incredibly burgeoning environment for fintech. Uh, the UK has, for example, prior to Brexit, had more e-money institutions than the rest of the EU combined. So that talent in fintech is there. The talent in traditional finance is there. So there's a, a tremendous opportunity in terms of talent to be acquired by crypto firms. Uh, we've seen that with our own hiring. We've seen you know, incredible talent from a variety of different uh, industries come on board. As well as that, you also have a, uh, a government that is very much kind of um, pivoting towards you know, a pro-crypto stance. So the opportunities for the UK uh, for crypto have never been brighter. Well, on that unusually positive note, I got to (laughs) say, I thank you again. I appreciate you taking the time to be here. Thank you very much for inviting me. On the next episode of Bloomberg Crypto, have you ever heard the saying, everything's bigger in Texas? The same applies to mining Bitcoin in the state. The state of Texas is flush with Bitcoin miners including the city of Fort Worth that started a small mining operation out of its city hall. Tomorrow, I'll talk with Bloomberg reporter Mike Smith about what makes the state so attractive to crypto enthusiasts. And you'll hear from Lee Bratcher, head of the Texas Blockchain Council, who will share more about that partnership with the city of Fort Worth. I'm Stacey Marie Ishmael, and this is Bloomberg Crypto, a daily podcast from Bloomberg and iHeartRadio. For more shows from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Email your questions, comments, or suggestions to crypto at Bloomberg.net. Follow us on Twitter. We're at Crypto. The supervising producer and editor of this episode is Vicky Vergolina. 
Our producer is Mohammed Farouk. Zainab Siddiqui is our associate producer. Desta Wonderad is our engineer. Original music by Leo Sidrin. Bloomberg's head of podcasts is Francesca Levy. The countdown has begun. From May 14th to 16th, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Qatar Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections, gain unique insights and uncover valuable opportunities in one of the world's most rapidly rising regions. Request your invite for this exclusive event at QatarEconomicForum.com.